Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, you don't need to turn anywhere yet, um, but we've been in a series in the last few weeks on the wisdom literature. Everyone say the wisdom literature. Yeah, if you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's a section of the Bible that we see the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Job. And it's a, an interesting passage. It's an interesting part of the text. We're used to reading stories. We're used to reading theological doctrine from, you know, Paul and, and the epistles and all that good stuff. But the wisdom literature is something that's really fun and interesting to dig into. It's a fun kind of mix of theology, but also very practical things that, that really apply into our lives. And so two weeks ago, we launched this series. Pastor Tim talked about the fear of the Lord. And we talked about how the fear of the Lord is not necessarily this like scared fear. There's a part of that that's true, but more deeply, it's actually this like reverence and this awe that we have. And then if we have a right view of God, it impacts how we live on a day-to-day basis. I was talking to my small group. I, I lead the junior guys small group. If you're in that small group, let them know that you're here. <laughs> that was so embarrassing for me as your small group leader. <laughs> but that's okay. We had an amazing conversation. We were talking about how the fear of the Lord, one way to think about it is that the fear of the Lord sets the terms for how we are to live our lives. What I mean by that is the way I see God, if I see God as holy, if I see God for who he truly is, that means that God sets the terms for how I do relationships. That means that God sets the terms for how I'm gonna do dating. You, maybe you're dating someone right now, maybe you will. But, but that means that God sets the terms for how you do family relationships. God sets the terms for how you do school and work. All of a sudden, when we see the Lord correctly, the fear of the Lord leads us to say, God, you set the terms for my life. Give me a thumbs up if that makes sense. Cool, cool. And then if you were here last week, Pastor Tim was talking about relationships. He was talking about how there's different kinds of relationships that a a wise man or woman is going to have in their lives. So we have spiritual mothers and fathers, people who are ahead of you in the journey who can give you wisdom. We were talking about brothers and sisters, and that's everyone here in this room, that we are the brothers and sisters in Christ, people who do life alongside one another. What's up, fellas? You guys can grab a seat. Come on in, man. Come on in. Are you guys gonna play basketball after service? Or are you guys kind of gonna leave scene? Yes, okay. I wanna be on your team. These guys are ballers, man. These guys are ballers. So we're talking about brothers and sisters. They're people you play basketball with and they're people that you pray with. It's that kind of thing. But then we're also talking about spiritual kids. Everyone say spiritual kids. Which is really weird to say as all of us are like 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm not talking about biological kids. I'm talking about people who are younger than you that you are showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. So that's where we've been for the last two weeks. We were talking about the fear of the Lord and relationships. And today I want to talk about the power of our words. Everyone say the power of our words. Um, Now, just by show of hands, how many of you have ever heard a message on the power of our words before? Has anyone ever heard that before? Okay. Yeah. A lot of us who have grown up in church have probably heard some really familiar scriptures about this passage, but here's the invitation. I want all of us to listen with fresh ears today. I want us to have open hearts to what God might want to say to us because I guarantee it's more than just, uh, this message will be more than just about like saying nice things to people. Like there's actually, I think, some beautiful healing that God wants to do in this place. And so if you are with me to talk about relationships, say amen. Amen. All right, amen. Here's the bottom line. 
I know in my life and I know in your life, I don't know your story, but I know somewhere in your story, words have marked you. Words have marked you. The very fact that we have names, our name is actually a word. It, it means something. There's a connotation to a word and to a name. But I think about even as we're growing up, our, our parents or whoever raised you are teaching you vocabulary. They're teaching you language. And it's actually a way that we engage now in the world. We both hear words and we say words that mark people. And if we would be really honest in this room, I think we could all confidently say words have positively affected us, but words have also somewhere along the journey have negatively impacted us, have negatively hurt us. I can think about a story in, in January of 2020. I was meeting with a, with a mentor figure of mine and we were talking about like worship leading. We were talking about these different kinds of things. And I remember the conversation kind of got to where he was, he was kind of giving me some like critique and some correction and, and maybe even a little bit of rebuke. And I didn't love it at the time, but I remember specifically like a word and a phrase that stood out was, Victor, you really struggle to sing. <laughs> you really struggle to sing. Now, for every pound of criticism, there's probably an ounce of truth. I'm not here to say like, he was wrong, this person was wrong, I'm a great singer. I have a lot, you guys hear me every week. You guys know I'm not like the most pristine singer. But there was something about that moment, those words, whether they were true or false, didn't really matter in the moment. What happened though, was that those words literally marked me. And what I noticed was, as I started leading worship on Sundays and Wednesdays, I wasn't even thinking about the words I was singing anymore. You know what words were ringing in my head? Hey, Victor, you really struggled to sing. <laughs> You, you really struggle in that way. And so all of a sudden, now I'm, I'm kind of locked up and chained up to sing and lead people because all I can think about is this insecurity. Is that true? Man, like, what do these students think? These students probably think I suck. Like, oh my gosh, like, am I gonna get fired? Do I not get to work here anymore? Like, your mind can go. Has anyone ever been there where your mind can just go after a while? It just takes one phrase. And, and to be clear, this mentor wasn't trying to hurt me. This mentor actually has like, uh, like my best interests in mind. And he was actually trying to show me a better way. But those words marked me. Those words marked me. And it took a long process of healing for me to be able to move forward with those words, to take them as correction and to use it to get better in my life. But, but I, I share that story to say we all have words and we all have stories of how words have impacted our lives. And here's the reality is that God designed the universe that way. The fact that you and I have words and the fact that you and I have language is actually showing that we are made in the image of God because we serve a speaking God. Everyone say, God speaks. God speaks. This is our God statement today. That print is small, but I think we're all gonna be, be able to track just fine. I want you to take notes tonight. This is gonna be an amazing time to take notes. It's gonna get really practical, but think about our God and think about who he is, that we have a speaking God. Think about Genesis 1, one of the very first characteristics we have of God is that Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. So we see his existence and then we see that God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void. But, but then what we see is that God says, let there be, let there be, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna participate today. God says, let there be light. So one of the foundational things we see in God from the beginning of the story is that God speaks. He says, let there be light and worlds come into being. Words create worlds. But then we see further on in scripture where God gives verbal instruction to Adam and Eve. He says, hey, you can eat of any fruit in the garden, but you just can't eat from this tree. And we all know what happens. Adam and Eve take that. And then we see in Genesis 3 where God uses very real, physical, tangible words to give both blessing 
and rebuke and correction to his people. And then we see in Genesis four where we have Cain and Abel and Cain and Abel are bringing sacrifices, but Cain is bringing a half-hearted offering and God uses physical verbal words to warn Cain, hey Cain, the offering you are giving me is unacceptable. Sin is at your doorstep. Or think about the story of Noah. God uses tangible physical words to warn Noah that a flood is coming. Think about uh, God's promise. God uses words to make a promise to Abraham. Hey, you're gonna have descendants as numerous as the stars. God uses his words to promise. We can go on further in scripture with Jacob where God wrestles with Jacob. At the end of this wrestling moment, what happens? God gives Jacob a new name. God uses his words to identify and to name his people. We serve a speaking God. Think about, think about God and Moses at the burning bush, right? Where God uses literal, physical, verbal words to say, Moses, I'm calling you. I'm sending you out to go to Pharaoh to say, let my, let my, that's right. And then, so then we see Moses lead them out and then God uses his words to give Moses the 10 commandments. God is giving us a structure and a foundation with words. And then we see Joshua, right? We see where God uses his words to put courage literally into Joshua's heart where he says, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God uses his words to encourage. We see it with the prophets like Samuel where God calls prophets into um, following him and being his mouthpiece for his people. So we see it in judges and we see it with kings and we see it with prophets where God is using physical words to communicate with his people. And then after the prophets, we see 400 years of what? Silence. There's like an actual tangible moment in our history where God was silent. And all of it was a buildup and an anticipation to what? Jesus, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. So now the verbal spoken word of God is now stepping into humanity, fully God, fully man. And now this word is more than just a concept. It is, it is a man who is walking among us, using words to teach us, to correct us and to call us into salvation. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that we have a speaking God? Do you believe we have a speaking God? Yeah, he speaks. And if that's true, then this is true. Secondly, that God sets the terms for how we speak, right? God sets the terms for how we are to use our words. Who here has ever heard the uh, phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Um, I'd like to throw out that that is um, absolute garbage. <laughs> um, and I say that because it's biblical. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says this, that words have the power of... Words have the power of... It doesn't say words are neutral. God's word doesn't say like words can be helpful sometimes, but words can never really hurt you if you have thick enough skin. No, it says words have the power of, of what? Life and death. I actually didn't know this, but as I was studying this week uh, for this message, I learned that there are 110 references just in Proverbs about our speech. <laughs> I had no idea, like the word of God has a lot to say. And I refuse to believe that the word of God has that much to say about a topic if God is neutral about how we are to use our words. Do you believe that tonight? All right, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. We are going to jump in to three specific ways that the wise those who walk in wisdom use their mouths. But before we jump into that, here's just, I wanna, I wanna get this on the front end because it's easy for us in a message like this, okay, we're gonna be talking about the power of words. He's probably gonna say, speak life, don't speak death. Like, it's easy for us to cut corners and to, and to go to the end. But, but here's 
uh, here's the reality is that our speech is not as much a matter of our tongue. There's actually something deeper that we need to address. The, the problem with our tongue is not something that can just be tamed with mere discipline. And I wanna prove that to you in scripture. Let's throw up James 3, verse two, and we're gonna read a little bit. For all of us make many mistakes. If you've made a mistake in the last two days, say amen. 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 <laughs> uh, anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect. Has anyone made no mistake with their speech ever before? All right, good. So we're all together in this, able to keep the whole body in check with the bridle. If we put bits into our mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes so strong winds to drive them. I don't know why I added the word so there, but I did. <laughs> to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder. Everyone say rudder. <laughs> say it with the Southern accent, rudder. <laughs> wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. Let's keep going, let's keep reading. And the tongue is a fire. Everyone say the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one, everyone say, no one. Turn to your neighbor and say, not you. No one can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Can you feel the weight of that? James is saying our words are very powerful and we all agree on that. But what James is also saying is, is that no human being can tame the tongue. For us to tame our tongues is for our hearts to be surrendered and submitted to something greater, to Jesus and how he says that we are to use our words. So if you're gonna listen to this message and say, these are the top three ways I'm just gonna become a better person, use my words better, then you're not listening. And you're not listening well, and you're literally gonna repeat the same uh, cycles of hurt with your words that you always have. But if we come into this conversation with saying, Holy Spirit, show me how I can submit my heart to you, then we're gonna be on the right track tonight. So if you are with me, say amen. amen. Let's take a moment and pray. Jesus, we invite you. Just like we sang, here we are. You can have it all. This isn't a time for, for me to speak and impress, but God, this is a time for you to let your word do its work in our hearts. This is a time for us to surrender and submit to you, to let you encourage us, convict us, and call us into deeper relationship with you. So God, here we are. We're wasting our time if we're holding back. And God, we're wasting our time if we're here to just be entertained. We're wasting our time if all of this rests on my shoulders and my words. But God, if we hear from you tonight, then tonight is worth it. If we encounter you tonight, then it's worth it. And if we go out living on mission from tonight, then it's worth it. Have your way in us. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, here we go. I'm just gonna hit three points tonight. 
and we're gonna be done. Three points of how those who are wise use their words. So let's throw up the first one right here. Okay, so the mouth of the wise speaks and seeks the truth. Everyone say speaks and seeks the truth. All right, let's jump into Proverbs. We got a couple of Proverbs to read real quick. Proverbs 6, 16 through 18 says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, everyone say, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, keep it going. Next slide, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So those are just a list of seven things right there that the Lord hates. And three of them have to do with how we use our words. It's talking about a lying tongue and false witness and stirring up conflict in the community. That's not limited to words, but that does include words. How many of y'all know that words can stir up conflict? Can I get an amen? All right, let's go to the next verse in Proverbs. Proverbs twelve nineteen: truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There's a weight, and a, uh, there's a weight and, a, and a lastingness that our truthful words have. And I think we have one more as well. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You guys should be writing down these references, by the way, uh, if you're taking notes. These are really good to write down. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Everyone say abomination. But those who act faithfully are his delight. What I love about like, the words abomination and things that the Lord detests and hates, I love that it's not like neutral. Like God is kind of like okay with it. He'll let it slide. It's one, it's the second thing in an order that God hates is a lying tongue. To the point where Jesus even talks about this in Matthew 12, 34. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or other translations say, what the heart is full of, the mouth is going to speak. And this actually has a lot to do with a heart issue more than a word issue. This is what Jesus is getting at. Is a lot of times we can say, okay, yeah, so like don't, don't tell lies. That's one of the 10 commandments, right? And okay, don't bear false witness. Okay, just, just really keep your tongue in check. But that's actually not what Jesus is getting at in his word. He's saying this is not just a words issue. This is a heart issue. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase before, you are what you eat? Yeah? <laughs> that is probably true in the physical case, but I definitely believe it is true in the spiritual case. What we feed on, what we, what we feast on is ultimately what's going to come out of us. Um, and I'd like to make a quick illustration. I am not the king of illustrations, so this thing flops. Just have grace for me. I'm a worship leader, not a speaker. I need to call up Gabe and Ethan Arndt up here. Gabe and Ethan Arndt, come on up. <laughs> this will either be awesome or really awkward. Okay, let's do this. Um, I'm gonna have you be partner number one. And can you be partner number two? Okay, perfect. You guys agree to that? Okay, you guys consent to that. Okay, so Gabe, as partner number two, what we're gonna do is I need you to put both of these blindfolds on. They're actually COVID masks, but, and you can st st step up right here, step up right here, actually. Okay, come on up here. Um, and you can just throw those on whenever you're ready, maybe like right now. Okay, cool, cool. Now, like over my entire face. Uh, just over your eyes. I need your, I need your nose to be available, but I need your, uh, your eyes to be, yeah, there it is, there it is. Okay, now Gabe, as you're doing that, I have a question for you, man. Would you say that you have a pretty strong sense of smell? Not really. Really? Okay. Then this might be a little bit hard for you, but okay. I'm just gonna, yeah, your nose is now available, okay? Great. All right, so just stand right here, okay. 
Um, here's, here's the challenge, bro. Here's the challenge. We're gonna test your sense of smell, okay? Here's how we're gonna do that. Your brother, Ethan, um, is going to take a bite or a drink of a certain kind of food and he's going to breathe on you. And all you need to do is this, you have a really simple job. All you gotta do is smell the breath and tell me what he just ate. Can you do that? Okay, I really think you can do this. How many of y'all think that Gabe can do this? All right, fantastic. I promise I have a, I have a reward waiting for you. Uh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Okay, um, let's, let's start with the first one. All right, so Gabe, you just keep that blindfold on. Okay, um, Ethan, if you wanna open this up. Um, let's keep it quick though. We're gonna have all night. So let's keep this thing moving. And then I, just take a massive bite. You can have the rest of it uh, during the message. Yeah, does that feel pretty good? No. Okay, just let it, let it like swirl it around your mouth a little bit. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, that is awesome. All right, no one spoil what it is because you're gonna ruin it if you do. All right, I hope you like that, Ethan, because that's really awkward if you don't. You won't get heartburn, you'll be just fine. Okay, uh, are you feel ready? Feel good to go? All right, so you can go up to your brother, make sure his mask is not in the way, and uh, breathe as hard as you can. All right, Gabe, tell me, what, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you sensing, man? What are you sensing? Like vegetables or something. Vegetables? I don't know. All right, be specific, which, uh, which kind of vegetable? Cucumbers, okay, okay. Um, how about this? I'm gonna give you one more chance because that was definitely not correct. Um, also, I'm struggling to use this can opener. Um, oh no, it's gonna be just fine. I just gave you a clue, uh, Gabe. Um, okay, I'll narrow it down a little bit. It is not a vegetable. Uh, Gabe, uh, Gabe uh, Ethan, can you breathe one more time? One more time. I think a second try is, is needed. All right, here, Prim, can you open? Thank you so much. Okay, um, you want one more guess? Or you want me to breathe on you one more time? No. Okay, that's strike one. Can everyone tell Mr. Gabe what that first one was? Banana. It was a banana. Y'all, there's nothing worse than banana breath in the morning. You said you were gonna get heartburn from it. Yeah, heartburn, that was, okay. Gabe, I'll give you a hint this time. This time it's going to be a drink, okay? Okay, it's gonna be a drink. Um, you get to do this. You probably don't get to do this at home, but no one ruined this. All right, drink as much as you can. A little thing to know about me, this is my least favorite breath on the planet. If you come up to me with this kind of breath, I, I do not wanna talk to you, I will keep my distance. Can you give me a little more actually, just a little more? I really want this to be clear. My sermon illustration rides and dies with you right now, okay? I need you to roll, roll with me. All right, you feel pretty good? All right, I was about to test it with me, but don't do that. All right, go ahead, give, give him a good breath right here. <laughs> What you get? I don't know. I, come on, man, I need you to come through for me, man. I'm trying to preach the word of God. You're making it harder. I'm sorry, man. Come on, Gabe. I still smelled the banana and that. What do you mean you smelled the banana? You didn't even smell the banana the first time. All right, again, again. Go quick, go quick. This is why I can't preach in under 30 minutes, man. Because you guys can't get it done in the first time. All right, give him, give him, a, give him a strong one. He smelled nothing, all right. He is 0 for two. Can you guys please shout out what it was? Man, this is really discouraging to me. I thought this was such a good idea. All right. Uh, man, you signed up for this, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to eat this. Uh, nah, man, he knows now, it's too late. All right, I need you to take at least two bites of this, okay? No one, no one share what it is. 
I need, I don't want to. It, it is clear that he needs a lot for, to, for the breath to transfer. So please just eat like at least two. I'll, uh, oh, he's holding his nose. That's really good. That's really good. Um, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, my guitar's right there. Don't, don't. <laughs> oh, he actually spit something in there. Wow. Okay, well, uh, one, can you do one more? One more? Should you do one more? Okay, one more, one more. <laughs> you got to have brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> this is reinforcing last week. <laughs> All right. Wow, that is nasty. That is nasty. You ready? Wow, I just, I got your breath. If you miss this, Gabe, I don't, I don't know what it will take. <laughs> hey man, don't, don't puke. Use your mask to puke if you need to. What, 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 what'd you, what'd you get there, man? Like poop? No, I, I, I guarantee Ethan did not eat poop. Yeah, I know he didn't. I'll give you one more guess. What is, oh, that's the banana. I might eat those. Uh, one more time. No, stop. Yeah, he's done. He's at the end of his wits right here. Another hint. Um, okay, give him one hint. No, no, no. Alan, help me out. What's one hint? It wasn't a can. And, oh, oh, it's kind of... What is that supposed to do? Smell it. All right, last guess. Three, two, one. Beans. Beans. Is it beans? All right. I'm sorry, Gabe. You were over three. You may open. It was tuna. <laughs> you want to take this back to your seat, bro? I'm going to take this back. All right. Hey, you both can take that back. Can we give these two a hand? All right. So now, now the burden is on me as the speaker to somehow make that apply because that really fell apart. Thanks, Preem. Preem said it was great. Th- thank you. Didn't want the rest of this banana. Alan? Perks of the front row, am I right? Okay, guys, let me, let me try and save the moment. So what we have here, what we have here is a very, very clear illustration that out of the overflow of what we feast on will ultimately come out. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Because the reality is some people have stronger senses of smell than Mr. Gabe Art right over here. And that's okay, but that's okay. But the, the truth still applies that at the end of the day, what we are taking in is ultimately going to come out. Oh, I have gum actually for you guys. I just realized. Oh, I have one piece, so you guys can split it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so let's, let's make this really practical. I wanna just ask you a really practical question um, for us to think about. Write this question down. It's really simple. What are my inputs? What are my inputs? What I mean by that question is, how, are, um, how is what you are listening to, what you are watching, what you are spending your time taking in, how is that translating on what's coming out? So here's what I mean by that. Think about um, if you are in a situation where maybe a lot of, the, you find yourself speaking a lot of words that are hurting other people or you're really sarcastic or you feel like you have to be really funny to fit into the crowd or you feel like you have to say a certain thing to fit in the reality is, is probably what you're feeding on is not going to be what is wholesome for you. You're gonna find whatever gets you in on the inside using your words that bring destruction and hurt. 
And this is why I love coming to church. This is why I love what we do is we come together and what do we do? We sing words. We're taking in truth of who God is and we're saying it back to the Lord of saying you are good and everything you do is good. You are kind and everything that you do is kind. This is what we do in worship is we're literally as the church equipping you with the words to say. We're saying, hey, here are truth, here are truths, here are good words for you to have in your soul and to bring back out. So then when you're at your school and when you're with your family, it's not words of toxic that are coming out, but it's actually words that are honoring to the Lord. Are you tracking with me? Think about what we do here. We're not just here to like give you a long talk. You guys are in classes all day. Really the last thing you need is someone here talking for like 30, 35 minutes to you about the Bible. But what we do need is the word of God to come into us so that it comes out of us in the moment of pressure. And it's not just here in the church that we do that, but think about back home. This is why um, you're not a better Christian if you have you know, a quiet time every day, but here is what I will say. Those of you in here who are wise will spend as much time as you can in the scripture, getting it inside of you. Because then in the moment when your friend has a question about the faith, or in the moments that you're tempted to compromise, in the moments that you are tempted to follow the crowd, guess what's going to be inside of you? It's not toxic, but it's the word of God that is inside of you, leading you to walk in Wisdom. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, okay. So that's the first one. The mouths of the wise speak and seek truth. The second one is this. The mouths of the wise speak less than what it thinks. I heard a pastor say this one time and I have to share it with you all. Every single one of you can look at me in the eyes on this one. I wanna give you the most freeing statement you could ever hear in your life. None of you are under any obligation to share what's going on up in here. <laughs> None of, none of you are under any obligation to share everything that's going on in here. I hope that's good news for you. I hope that's good news for your friends. I hope that's good news for what you post on social media. Guess what? The world and your friends don't need to know everything that's going on inside of here. <laughs> it's amazing. And I'm not just gonna hit you with that. I'm gonna hit you with some Proverbs that share about that. Okay, here's the first one. It's gonna be on the screen. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, <laughs> but the prudent are restrained in speech. Everyone say restrained. Everyone say get a filter. <laughs> okay, next one in Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs, this is my favorite part of the whole message right here. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. One who spares words is knowledgeable. One who is cool in spirit has understanding. Even fools who keep silent are considered wise. <laughs> when they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. <laughs> I love how straightforward the Bible is. He's saying even fools are considered wise if you just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> it's amazing. Do we have one more after that? I should have looked at my notes. Do we have one more? I guess not. Okay, that's all good. That is all good. Um, but here's the reality. We live in a culture where the more words you say, the more edgy or controversial things you say, that's what usually gets rewarded in our society. Look no further than social media, right? Uh, who here has ever been rewarded by social media for saying less? <laughs> Say less? <laughs> Not that kind of saying less. How many, how many of you have ever gotten a lot of retweets for saying something just like really uh, kind and thoughtful and thought through? Probably not a whole lot. One, because you don't use Twitter. And secondly, uh, because that's not how it works. The whole idea of social media is the things that blow up, the things that get on the front of your newsfeed, that's the clickbait. 
It's the stuff that's exciting. It's the stuff that's controversial. And usually the stuff that's exciting and controversial are the things that make it on the news. And usually the things that make it on the news are not wholesome, nor are they life-giving, and they're not always true. (laughs) But we as a culture, we love to celebrate what's edgy. We love to celebrate, ooh, like that cuts a little bit deeper. Oh, like that goes, that, that bites a little bit extra. And we're tempted to do that in our words. And we live in a very unfiltered society. And we, we have this thing that we, we've got to stop doing this. And I, I'm myself included, we've got to stop doing this. We've got to stop uh, using this phrase. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You did just say it <laughs> and you weren't supposed to. And, and then think about it this way. Think about all the times that we you know, say, not to be judgmental or anything, but you just did it. <laughs> you know, say, uh, you know not, not to be rude or anything, but uh, this, is the one, this is the one that drives me crazy. Not to gossip, but <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you just did. But here, here's what scripture is inviting us into. God is inviting us into wisdom and wisdom with our words is going to oftentimes look like restraint. And can I be honest and clear with you as your pastor, that is going to cost you friendships. That is going to cost you people. I've been there. I've been in the place where if you don't, if you don't know the inside stuff, if you aren't willing to cross the line and break someone down when they're not even there, if you're not willing to cross the line and gossip about someone, if you're not willing to go there, then you lose friendships because all of a sudden you don't, you don't have anything juicy to say anymore. You're, you're not funny anymore. You're not, you're not fun to be around anymore. Is it okay if I get really real and practical with you guys? Is that okay? Okay, this is gonna be something like we're going to have to as the people of God say, either I'm gonna choose God's way or I'm gonna choose it my way. We're gonna have to make the decision at some point. And so I, I wanna make it really simple for you guys because um, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, like, well, what does it look like then to restrain your speech? When do I know what to say or what to post? I just have a couple of words I wanna throw out there. If you're taking notes, write these words down. They're an amazing filter for us as we use our words. The first one is this. Um, are the words that I'm about to speak respectful? <laughs> are they respectful? Think about respectful in the way of, is this honoring someone or is the point of this message to tear someone down? Is it elevating someone or tearing them down? Think about honesty. Is what I'm saying or posting true? And here's what I wanna say. Respect and honesty can actually be put together. There's a way for those two to be honest. I think sometimes we're like, oh, you know, I, you know to, to be respectful is to like just say a bunch of false lies and everything. No, no, no. Honesty is needed. God hates lying lips. Once again, the mouths of the wise speak and seek truth. It's okay to speak truth, but it's gotta be said or posted in an honoring way way. Thirdly, it's got to be clear. Is what I'm saying thought through? When I, when I think back about the times in my, in my marriage, with my family, with my friends, in ministry, all the things that I regret saying were the things that I didn't think through. It was the, it was the knee-jerk reaction. It was, it was just kind of what came out of me. It was just kind of my unthought through, unfiltered, like, oh, we should do this, or why are you doing this, or what is this doing? Like, like it's, it's those kinds of words that tend to do the wounding. I, can't, I don't think I can think of one example where I thought through something very thoroughly, said it to the person, and it still ended up hurting them. <laughs> it might have been hard to hear, but it wasn't destructive, nor was it dishonoring, nor was it disrespectful. We've got to make sure that our words are clear and thought through. And the fourth word is direct. Are these words direct? And here's a simple question for it. Are the words that I'm speaking about someone or to someone? <laughs> There's a big difference there. Talking about someone, they don't need to be in the room. I can just talk about them behind their back. I can say whatever, or even behind a keyboard. <laughs> it's way easier to be bold behind a text. And 
I love you guys, but when you're having hard conversations with one another, especially in relationships, let's not do all the communication over text. Can I get an amen? amen. I've sat down with so many of you. Oh, you know, I'm having a problem with this person. Okay, well, like, have you gone to them? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Okay, what was the conversation like? Well, you know, we were texting a little bit and then they ghosted me for 24 hours. That is not direct. <laughs> I'm talking about face-to-face, face-to-face, brothers and sisters. To be wise, you're gonna have to learn how to communicate directly to the person, not to your friends, not, not, not to other people, not slandering the other person's name. It's gonna be directly coming to them, which needs to be done out of respect and honesty. It's gotta be clear, it's gotta be direct. And lastly, it's gotta be timely. Timely is a really good filter to think through because here's the reality. You can be right about a situation, but a right word spoken at a bad time still doesn't get received well. And I think a lot of times we just get hung up on, well, I was right. Well, like my opinion was right. I was valid there. That's great that you were valid, but is it the best time for those words to be said right now? Or is it the best time for those words to be posted right now? It may be true. It may be valid, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit. And more importantly, we need to, well, not more importantly, as importantly is we need to be able to ask mentors, older brothers and sisters say, hey, this is, this is the stuff that's going on in my mind or I have a problem with this person or I'm struggling with this. Can you help me come up, like help me process what's going on so that I can speak in a way that is honoring and respectful, it's direct and it's clear and it's timely with this person. Is everyone tracking with me so far? Cool, cool, I hope this is helpful, I hope it's direct. We've gotta be able to, to speak real about these things or else we're just gonna go on spraying words that hurt one another that hurt our families, our siblings. And uh, for all the married people in the room, uh, this is gonna help you, a whole, oh, future married people in this room. This is gonna help you a whole lot. Okay, third and finally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna zip through this one. The mouths of the wise not only speak and seek the truth, speaks less than what it thinks, but finally it speaks with healing grace. It speaks with healing grace. Let's jump back into Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 11, write down that reference. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Notice the wording there, fountain of life. Let's go to the next one. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we have a fountain of life. We have, we have words that bring healing. And I think we have one more, one more. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. I just wanna say this, is that ultimately, if, if out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and this is true, if our words are wounding people, that probably means that we are coming from a wounded place. And to maybe comfort some of you in the room who have been wounded by words, can I just encourage you that the person who wounded you with those words was probably very wounded themselves. And it's really hard to have grace for people in that way. It's really hard to forgive people in that way. Jesus asks us to do it, but that doesn't make it easy. But those words that are wounding usually come from a wounded place. And so we've got to learn as the people of God, how do we allow and give God access to our hearts so that what comes out of us isn't wounding, but what's healing, what's healing. And there's several ways that we can use our words to bring healing to people. They might seem like, yeah, duh, um, but if it was so obvious, then I think I would see it happen more and we would do it more. The first one is this, it's encouragement. Encouragement, really simple. It's a simple way to use our words to bring healing to people. And encouragement's really simple, we think about it, but I think we would do it more if our eyes weren't constantly on ourselves. 
right? That's what it ultimately takes for encouragement. That's what it ultimately takes to encourage those around you is that it requires you to make the intentional decision, once again, because it's a heart issue, not just a words issue, to get your eyes off of yourself and onto other people and saying, oh, wow, like the way they handle life in this way, I really respect that. Or man, you just look great today. (laughs) But it requires our eyes to be off of ourselves, off of our pride, off of our insecurities, and it requires us to look at other people, look out for other people, look for other people and to use our words in a way that brings healing. And I just, I would love, I love envisioning this place as a place where we as New Life Student Ministries don't just use our words in beautiful worship songs, but our words actually are full of encouragement. As soon as the worship set is over, as soon as the sermon is over, as soon as this whole uh, service is over, man, it would, I just wonder what would, what would it look like for a room full of young people to speak life and encouragement over one another. For the people like Emma and Max who are here for the first time, if they just got four or five people who encouraged them <laughs> on their first time here at church, I wonder what that would look like. So encouragement's one way, and the second way is conflict, actually. Conflict, you're like, wait, what? That's a way to bring healing? Actually, it is. Actually, it is. Conflict is an opportunity for healing to take place. Now, the problem is is that a lot of us, um, really, we all come from broken families. Every family's got their thing. Every set of parents has their thing. Every family has their stuff. There's not one family that's done conflict perfectly. So I don't know how it was modeled for you. Uh, I know for me, I didn't see it modeled perfectly. And I hope that Preem and I can do it as close to perfectly when we have kids. We won't, but we're gonna try. But here's the reality. Conflict actually is the opportunity for healing to take place. But here's what's needed for conflict to bring healing. Once again, it's about the heart. It requires a heart of humility on both ends. For conflict to be done well in a God-honoring way, the heart has to be humble on both ends for that to take place. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say, let's say that my wife hurts my feelings with the word. She says something. She says, you wear black way too much. <laughs> she would never say that, but... Let's say she did. It, it, just, it just hurt me. It just, it just really uh, sorted my onions, as Pastor Tim would say. Really sorts my onions. So let's say I'm, I'm in that place. I'm feeling wounded. Here's, here's what uh, most of the time we do, is as soon as we get that word that hurts us, we lash back with something else. Well, Preem, you laugh too loud during my messages, and it's distracting. <laughs> Once again, would never say that. <laughs> it's actually really encouraging. Um, but that's usually what we see in conflict is what we have in mind of conflict is just people yelling back and forth at each other. But what would it look like with humility? Let's say Prem says that to me. Maybe I use restraint in that moment. I say, okay, wait, let me like dig in. Why did that hurt so bad? What was it about that, uh, that I only wear black or I wear black too much? Like, what is it about that that hurt me? It takes humility to, to look inside of yourself and say, wait, why, why did that sting? Why did that stand out to me? And then it takes humility to come to the Lord and say, Lord, ultimately it's because I'm insecure about what I wear. I'm, I, <laughs> I didn't think this example through all the way through. But God, <laughs> I'm coming to you humbly and saying, Lord, I'm insecure about what I wear. So Lord, I'm asking by your spirit, would you make me more confident in who I am? Show me who I am, that my identity is not in what I wear. I can wear anything that's modest and God-honoring. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you guys track with me. It takes honesty to come before the Lord or, or humility, but then it takes humility to come back to the person, to come back to Prem and say, hey, Prem, I just wanted to let you know when you said these things, it affected me this way. 
And I wanna give you the benefit of the doubt that you weren't trying to hurt me, but I just want you to know like, this is how it affected me. Can we find a way to get on the same page about that? See how that was honest, but it wasn't attacking. I didn't need to berail Preem about how I felt. I could say, I could come honestly and with humility of saying, hey, this hurt me. <laughs> this is where I'm at with that. Hey, can we find a way to get on the same page about that so it doesn't keep happening in the future? See how that's respectful, it's honoring, it's, it's, it's timely, it's direct, it's clear, but ultimately it's, it's not like uh, anger turning on anger. It's not wounding spreading over more wounding, but there's actually an opportunity for healing words to take place. You guys tracking with me there? This is how conflict, and that probably sounds like, wow, that's like really romantic and perfect and sweet, but it, it actually really does apply. I can think about several hard conversations that I've had. The best ones that I've had were the ones that I approached it with humility, and the worst ones that I've had were the ones where I came in preserving myself or with all of my right opinions, and I just came to be right. I didn't come to listen, I didn't come humbly, but I just came to make my point. The worst conversations and the worst conflict, the ones that had no healing involved, those were the kinds that went bad. So this is what we're invited into. These are the three things, speaking and seeking the truth, saying less than what we think and speaking words with healing grace. But as always, I want us to, I want us to be reminded this isn't a get your life together message. This is a get your eyes on Jesus message. Because as I was talking about earlier, God speaks. God is a speaking God and he sent his son, the word made flesh, to model what it looks like to live this way. I think about Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 when he's in the wilderness. He spends 40 days fasting, praying. He's hungry, he's weak, he's tired, he's alone. And the enemy comes to tempt him. This is a moment of pressure for Jesus. We all have had moments of pressure, right? But Jesus is in a moment of pressure. But when the enemy tempts him, what does Jesus respond with? He says, it is written. It is written. What Jesus was feasting on came out of him in the moment of pressure. What would that look like in this room? Think about, think about saying less than, than what he thinks. Think about Jesus being accused right, hours before his crucifixion and people are saying all kinds of false stuff about him. Oh, Jesus said he was gonna do this or Jesus was doing this. Things that were so false and untrue. Jesus had every right <laughs> to say, oh, let me set the record straight. I actually said this and I did this and do you guys even know who I am? And he could have opened his mouth and let all of them have it. He was the son of God. He had every right to, but it was the silence of our savior that brought the life of the world. It was the silence of the savior. It was him restraining himself in that moment, saying they're speaking out of wounding and they're speaking out of hurt. They're speaking out of ignorance. I'm going to restrain my words here. And what does he use then? He uses words of healing grace on the cross where he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is who our God is. He models it in the perfect man of Jesus. And now he is inviting every single one of us to partake in that lifestyle, in that way of wisdom. God is a speaking God and God sets the terms for how we are to use our words at home, at the church, at school, on our sports teams. God is setting the terms for how we are to use our words. So can we all stand together? We've only got a few minutes left together. And I think there's only one thing we can do from this moment. <laughs> is I, I'll be honest with you, this message was hard to prepare for because I could think of moment after moment where I didn't do that, where I failed to do that, or a moment the week before where it's like, oh, 
man, I didn't do that either. This was a convicting message to prepare. And I kind of hope it's convicting for us. I hope the spirit of God is doing work in us to highlight, hey, like this is an area for you to grow. He's inviting us into growth tonight. That's what we're here for. But the first step into that is confession. It's repentance. I think about the story in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah has this vision of God. He's up in heaven and he sees um, the heavens and he hears the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's this beautiful scene. But this is what Isaiah responds with in this moment of encounter. He says, woe to me, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I feel like that's us tonight. We are, (laughs) I am a people of unclean lips. I'm a man of unclean lips and we certainly live among a people of unclean lips. Maybe it's our families, maybe it's our schools, maybe it's our nation, (laughs) but we live among a people of unclean lips. But the story doesn't end there in Isaiah 6 but actually God sends a, a seraphim and, and, he, and he grabs coal with tongs from the altar. And with that, that burning coal, he touches Isaiah's mouth and he says, see your guilt is taken away. This has touched your lips and your sin is atoned for. We have an opportunity to come to the Lord and use our words to repent and to confess before the Lord saying, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed. So here's the invitation. We're gonna read this together. We're gonna read this together. And I don't want it just to be something that we recite out of tradition, out of ritual. I want this to be an honest prayer to the Lord. Once again, I think this is for every single one of us. So if you feel that conviction in your heart and your heart is truly ready to repent, let's pray this prayer together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. So brothers and sisters, I have good news for each and every one of you and I want you all to look at me in the eyes. Just like Isaiah's lips were cleansed, his sin was taken away and his sin was atoned for, so it is with you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what he said over the people, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Because of the sacrifice he made on the cross, you are forgiven. (laughs) You are forgiven and you're not just forgiven, but you are free. (laughs) You are free now to use your words to speak the truth and to speak with healing grace. This is what you are now sent out to do. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.